It is good to be to be back in the house today. Uh, I love I love this church. I love your pastors. Like they they really are good friends of mine. So I would actually come visit them even if I wasn't connected to Hope City, just because we've Jason and I have been friends for a long time. Uh, and you guys have probably heard his brother come in and speak before. He and Jerry and I are really good friends. Uh, but you guys have just just incredible. Like Jason has always been this. You know, he's younger than me, but he's always kind of been this old man that, that, we, that we love. It's just always kind of in this, and then Andrea, ever since I've known her, has just always been this spark plug, and just any time, it's impossible to not be happy after you talk with, with Andrea. She's just so full of life, and just so loving and life-giving, so love them. Uh, and I love you guys. Here, let me tell you a little bit about, so the connection that, that you have with me is this. As Andrea said before, if you give to the, the Imagine campaign or the One More Matters, uh, it, it is, I love your church, and I actually tell stories about your church wherever I go in, in other circles, and just talk about how there's this generous church in Louisville, Kentucky that my friend pastors, and it's super awesome, because it's, it's not like any other church, it's like you guys, generosity is in your DNA, so when, when you guys, there's not these pockets of, okay, we'll give to this and give to that. I need to designate where I'm giving. Like, you, you give, and they, they send it out. And it's not, it doesn't just stay right here. Um, and it's, it's such, just, it's really refreshing. Like, when you get to, and, and I love that about Jason, too. Is it, he's just excited about, hey, we're, because you guys are partners. I mean, it's what I do in, in Southeast Asia. You guys are an extension of that. So it's really like Hope City. Uh, Myanmar, Hope City, Thailand. Like you guys are a part of the churches that we plant, the uh, the, the orphanage that we that we run, the the everything that we do, the child sponsorships, and some of the things that I'll talk about today. Like you guys are a part of that, and you have been a part of that since I moved out. And what I thought was going to be a short term deal has turned into this. Like I'm there until God says, "All right, it's time for something else." Uh, but you guys have been patient with me along the way, and, and it's as the ministry has evolved, your partnership has just always been there. It has been super encouraging, and I just want to thank, say thanks for that, uh, because what you do is, is making a big difference. Uh, so let me, let me tell you a little bit about what I'm doing and where I'm at, and I just want to share a couple stories with you. I don't, I don't know. I'm careful to always to ever call myself a preacher or a teacher, because in some circles, I, I, I guess I am. In other circles, I'm not. Uh, your your pastor is an amazing preacher. I, I always love hearing Jason speak, um, but I I'm not in that in that same realm. That's okay. I, I try to stay in my lane. So I guess if I had to categorize like what I am and what I do, it's more I'm I'm just a hope dealer. Like I just I just want to give people hope and and show them the love of Christ in a context in a in a part of the world where they just really don't know many Christians or or know of Christians. And a lot of times, I'm the first introduction to those people, so I, I got to, you know, have my, have my A-game on uh, during, during those moments. So let me tell you a little about where I'm at. I, I live in Southeast Asia. Uh, you'll see, like, this is the, the part of the world where I live, uh, Thailand and Myanmar. Uh, it's an area of the world that is predominantly Buddhist. And if you look, we draw a circle right around this area of the world. Uh, there's more people inside of that circle than outside of that circle. So the majority of the world's population lives in this area, China, India, Indonesia, Philippines, and then these, you know, Japan, and then these, this Southeast Asian countries that, that where I predominantly serve. Um, and you can kind of see it in relation to where you are. Uh, 
it's, it's quite far, so it's as far away from home that I could be, uh, but thank God for Skype and FaceTime and things like that, so I get to keep in touch with my, my, my siblings and my parents, otherwise I don't know how long I would have been able to, to endure, um, but this is a part of the world that's extremely unreached, so 90% of all the unreached people on the planet who do not know Christ, have never heard the name of Jesus Christ, uh, they live in this part of the world. And it's incredibly, uh, like that for me, like this is why it's so important that I, that I live and serve here is because I, I can go, it's not like where you're at, you know, people have a knowledge about who Jesus is, and, and, but they, they don't, maybe they don't necessarily know him personally, but they've seen a church, they've driven past Hope City, so at least they have a reference point. But when, when I'm there, you know, you, you even, you know, just you say that they know about Christmas but they don't know what Christmas really is. And so for us, like it's opportunities like that. And it's every day, day in, day out relationship. This is how we do outreach. Uh, you can kind of see uh, just in reference, that we call this the 1040 window. There's a map that shows um, just where exactly this, this band, uh, and I live, you know, so it extends from West Africa, the Northern West Africa to Japan. And this is just this 1040 window. And crazy statistic is this, is less than, so this is where 90% of all the unreached people in the world live, right? Well, we just said that. But less than 5% of all missionaries, missions givings, and missions efforts, and missionaries, like the focus goes to that area of the world. But your church is a church that gets it and says, hey, this is so unreached. Like, why don't we do something about it? So you guys have been involved for the last eight years of, of training young church planters, developing church plants, sending out church planters to areas and villages that do not know Christ. So I'm going to share really quickly uh, one of our, our ministry centers that like, we've been mobile for the last eight, ten, ten years in Myanmar. So even before I got there, there was this little church plant that I got involved with. And it's just a, it's a really cool story. But for the last ten years, like they've had to move eight times in the last ten years. So typically every 12 to 18 months, the landlord says, okay, I can't rent to you anymore. Find something else. So it's been on our heart. Like, we really feel like we want to plant a church, like have land, build a property. Um, but we haven't been able to do that. But it wasn't until, because one, Christianity has been illegal in Myanmar for, for decades. For the last 60 years, it's been a persecuted religion. Uh, but it wasn't until just this past two years where they've started to open up to democracy and really loosened up on their freedom of religion laws. Wow. So this is a, this is a, actually, so a couple pictures. This is our, this is our ministry center building. Uh, this is kind of one of the early phases of the building. Uh, you move forward, you'll kind of see like guys in the church that have been working on it, adding the brick. we show the uh, exterior. You can kind of see uh, this is from the street level. So it's going to be three levels, super cool. And then one last picture. Um, so this is like, this is our dream center. So this isn't just a church. What we do in here is we have our Emerge Institute where we train church planters. Uh, we have an orphanage, the New Life Children's Homes. So we have 15 boys that we've taken in. I've shared about that in my past visits of some of the, the, the children that we've taken in uh, that have been abandoned. Uh, they, they have a home now. So they're, they're going to be on one of the levels that's just, just their, the, the boys' home. So we give them education, opportunity they would otherwise not have. And then we have our main church campus it's kind of like the mother church that's birthed these 10 other churches in these surrounding villages. Like this is, for us, like it's a dream come true. Wow. 
super, super cool, super, super, like you guys have blessed us helping do the work there, helping with the funds to build this. So you guys have a huge part in what we're doing there. And I want to say thanks for that because this is kind of part of your story as well. So as you guys have wanted to build and expand, I'm really believing like God's going to do that just because you've helped others do it first before you did. So I'm, I'm believing that like that's going to happen because uh, God's big and God can do it because he knows what he wants to do through you in this city and in this community. So let me, uh, let me read a scripture and uh, then pray for you guys and kind of get into it. I'm not going to do so much preaching today as I am. I'm just going to tell you some stories of what God's doing and what, what, what's going on and people that you've been helping that you, other, you have no idea or will never meet but you're a big part of their story. Uh, so uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Um, so whether you eat, drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Uh, and this is something that I have tried to live my life. I don't do it fantastically every day, but it's something that I try to remind myself, God, today, let me do whatever it is I'm doing. Let me do it with just all my might to your glory. Ecclesiastes 9, 10 says, uh, whatever you've put your, whatever your, hand finds to do or whatever you put your hand to, do it with all your might. Um, Colossians 3.17 is similar. You can go back and look at those scriptures, write them down, but it's basically this. is, hey, God's watching, and you're going to be doing this anyway, so why not do it in such a way, with such a passion that it's bringing glory back to Him? And you're not doing it for other people, you're doing it for Him. So it's easy for us to get caught up in the minutia of our jobs or in our schooling or whatever it is that we're doing. But man, in your studies, in your work, do it in a way that it brings glory to God. And I'll talk more about that later. But let me, let me pray and, and let's, let's get rolling. God, I just thank you for the opportunity to be here uh, with friends and with family in Christ. And I just pray that you would just, just speak to our hearts, God. Open our minds, open our hearts to what you were doing in other parts of the world, Lord. And I just pray that you would just uh, touch just speak through me, God. Let me get out of the way so you can do what you want to do. And uh, just open our hearts and our ears to what is going on. Amen. Um, so I said Myanmar is a country that's been closed off to the rest of the world. So for the 60 years, this country has been kind of like North Korea, just this hermit country that no one really knew what was going in, in there or going on in there uh, because they didn't want any help from anybody else. So it was really hard for missionaries to get in there. But I, I kind of, through back channels, was, have been doing work there for the last six years because I first started working in Thailand and then started helping train some, some, some uh, local workers there. Uh, I don't ever plan on personally planting a church there because it'd be ineffective. It's more effective if locals do it. Uh, let them, they know the culture, so let them do it. But just help them in any way you can. Uh, train them give them hope, inspire them, and just walk alongside them. So let me tell you a story, and I've mentioned her before, but Kim Boy is a young lady. She is a hero of mine because I've shared this story in the past. Like when she was 17, she went into this just poor community and wanted to plant a church, and she did. And for two years, she was this pastor of this little community. But over that time, God kind of shifted her focus and really just gave her this passion for the local kids in the community. 
Uh, so Kim Boy started a sidewalk Sunday school program. This is, this is Kim Boy. You may recognize her picture. Uh, the community that she serves is it's, it's very poor, as I said. So the houses are kind of built on stilts. You can kind of see they're, they're above cesspools, like sewage areas. Uh, this is where people live. Uh, their backyards are garbage dumps. Like it's, it's, it's an area that, that even like the Christians in Myanmar don't even really want to go to. Uh, that you can see, like kids are fishing in the in the in the in the in the sewage runoffs to get food for the day. Like they're finding the little, you know, minnows and small bait fish, and like they that's what they like. This is their life. But she went in, and started planting these, started teaching kids in the street about Jesus, and she started her first site. And I think, and, and that's not even her in the green. Like that's a person that she's trained. That's a teacher that she's raised up. So she says, you know, I want to get as many of these kids to know about Christ, and I want to teach them and train them so they can be sidewalk Sunday school teachers. So you can see, like, this is one of the girls that she's trained and is so effective. But basically what it is is we identify these kids that are kind of, we call them the children of promise. Uh, they're the ones that are, like, there's, there's innate leadership ability in them. And we feel like, you know, every family has you know, one of these kids that's, that eventually, like, they will lead their families to Christ because they get it. They understand. And their mission field is, so we'll let them start a sidewalk Sunday school site, train them and develop them, and disciple them. So they're, some of them are, you know, as early as we've seen kids that are nine years old that have become teachers. It's like, it's super cool to see them be raised up and, and, and be used of God in these circumstances. Um, so she's, this is what she's doing. So she's planted five or six sites now to where she's in different parts of the, of the city. Uh, and, and, and she plans on doing, you know, as many teachers as she can raise up, we're going to start new sites. Um, and we identify the areas and, and go into those areas. So kind of a, a and I think I'll, I have a picture of one more. One more. So these are like the, the type of kids that, you know, the settings. This is one of the kids, like we identify these kids and, send them out. Uh, so they're, in essence, becoming local missionaries. But I want to I share a little bit about kind of you're talking, you're just like, Johnny, well, okay, that's cool that Kimboy and, and her teachers are doing this. So like, what exactly are you doing? And I ask myself that a lot of times. Like, what am I doing? Like these, like, these guys are all stars. What are you doing, Johnny? And it's, you know, a lot of it is training and equipping discipling, just teaching them how to do uh, ministry and then letting them loose. But sometimes when I'm in these sidewalk sites, they'll ask me to teach or at Christmas outreaches, they'll ask me to teach or some of the Bible classes I teach. But I've kind of stepped back purposely this last year and just, we, I went to one of the sidewalk Sunday school sites and I said, you know, Kimboy asked me if I wanted to share a Bible lesson. I said, actually, I don't. I, I want to I want you to do the work of, that you're called to, but let me serve in another way. So I went this last, it was, it's been, it's almost a year now, it's kind of had this epiphany moment of, God, how can I be more effective? How can I be used in a way that I'm not normally being used? And one of the things I do, I like to take photographs. Uh, how many of you have Instagram or, or, or Facebook and kind of shared photos before? Like for me, I, I kind of, Challenged myself last year. All right, I have you know these social media platforms, but I never use them. Uh, it's just kind of 
something that I, that I had. But last year, I was like, you know what? I want to post one photo a day just to see if I can do it, just for fun, because I love photography, and that's, but I never really showed anybody. So I started doing that and, and just really came to, just really spurred this passion for photography. So I was like, okay, I was at a Sidewalk Sunday School site, and I said, I don't want to teach, but let's do this. Do, do the kids ever have school photos, school portraits? She was like, no, 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 they don't do that here. So in the local school in Myanmar, they don't do school portraits. So how many of you have kids? Okay, how many of you have had your kid got their school portrait this year? Okay, and a lot of times it just has the proof copied. About, like my mom used to just either take a photo of the proof <laughs> and blow it up, because I'm sure there's some of you that do that. Don't worry, you're not the only ones. Uh, or, you know, she would get like the m- minimal package that you could get and then try to blow up, scan those and blow up, you know, the little wallet size. And so we'd always have sometimes just these pixelated photos on, on the wall. But if you walk into my parents' house, like there's this shrine of the more family and the more kids at the awkward stages of growing up. And some of you I venture to say you have that in your homes. For, for, for these kids, though, there's, there's not. And it's not like they don't have cameras in the, in the country. They do. Uh, they have cell phones. There's always, you know, selfies being taken because the technology is so cheap now that it's anywhere you go in the world, they have it. But they don't necessarily have time or the luxury to be nostalgic and, like, get things printed off because the closest printer is a far, far away into the closest town. So I thought, let's just do a school photo, like a, a portrait day for the kids that attend the sidewalk Sunday school service. So I started, I got my, you know, my flashes set up and had an actual like photo booth, a proper photo booth, and was starting to begin taking photos. Um, everyone, when I took a first photo, like some of the kids are just mesmerized, or like what is, you know, what's in the back of your screen? How, how did you do that? So I started lining up the kids and they got in line, they would take their, their portraits. And the first couple were kind of awkward. You can kind of see the first two. It's just, you know, they didn't know what to do with their hands. Some of them were like, what do, I, what do I do? And you see, but then they started getting, getting more comfortable. Some were like, were like natural models. You know, they just were good at it. Innately, they knew what to do. Um, but as I'm doing this and the kids are lining up, they, I noticed there was another group of kids beyond the 50 that attended this sidewalk Sunday school class. They were just kind of watching from the outside looking in. So I asked Kimboy, the teacher, I said, Kimboy, why are they not getting in line? And she said, oh, they're, they're Buddhist. Their families are Buddhist. They don't let them, their parents don't let them associate with us. And they've been, she's been doing this for two years in this community. And up until that point, like these families wouldn't let their kids go to this weekly <coughs> gathering. I said, well, is it, if it's okay, if they ask their parents, can we see if, if it's okay with their parents, if we take their picture, I'll print it off and give it to them. So she, you know, said it to them. They ran home, ran back, and said, you know, Mom and Dad said it's okay. So I started taking pictures, and, I re- and then before I, re- before I know it, you know, there's what began with 50 kids is now 100 kids. And, just, and I realized I do not have enough photo paper to print all these photos. <laughs> and I got kind of nervous. I was like, oh, what are we going to do? And it just dawned on me. I was like, you know what? We're here every week. Let's just see if they'll come back next week, and we'll, we'll give the photos so I told Kim Boy to ask the parents, all the parents. And at this point, like you can kind of see, now some of the parents wanted to get their, their photos uh, with. So this is a big sister, their little sister. Um, uh, this is one of the mothers wanted to get a photo with her, with her son. Uh, and then 
this is a, when we got a grandma. This was actually at a Christmas outreach. I went back at Christmas and did it again for families. And it was unreal, the response. But what, what I did was I said, okay, if you come back, tell the parents if they come back next week, if their kids come back, the, we do a snack every week, so they're going to get fed. And then we're going to give, you know, we'll, we'll share some stories. And then we are going to give you pictures. So sure enough, the next week, some of the kids were sad they didn't get it that day. But for the first time in two years, kids came back that weren't allowed to go. But it was just a simple act of kindness of saying, hey, there's no strings attached. You don't even have to stay for the teaching if you don't want to. But we are here. We're your neighbors, and we love you. And we just want to give you this gift. And we we did it again at Christmas. So more people came out because they heard about the kids that were getting their portraits taken. And we did family photo days. And this was, you know, these are are some of the kids that that were able to. But it kind of dawned on me, you know what? In seven years up to this point of doing ministry, like this was the first time that we were able to really get into the neighborhood and just make an impact just by, just by giving. And I think we trivialize like outreach as having this strategy and having this plan in place, but outreach is not something that you do, Okay. If you remember anything from, the, from today, out, outreach is not something that you do. It's something that you live. Right. Outreach, it's who you are. It's, it's supposed to be an overflow of, of who we are in Christ. But I think so many times we get so caught up in like where we are and the busyness of life that we forget to look out. Jesus said to his disciples, he said, look up for the fields are ripe. They're ready. But they were so caught up in like, okay, what are we doing here today? What's the plan, Jesus? And Jesus said, look up. Look around you. The fields, they're ripe. They're ready. And you guys, there is, there is just this community all around you. You may not even live here. Some of you may be in Shepherdsville. I've driven through there. Like, it's, it's ready. But you need to stay in your lane and connect where you are. And figure out what is that passion? What are those things in me that that just come alive when I do them? Okay, how can I use them for the kingdom? So what started with just some pictures in a a village in Cambodia spread to, I was in India last year and and was just doing a a teaching and a training and asked the the, the pastor of that church, hey, I noticed your neighborhood here. It, It seemed like a cool place. Can I go and just walk around the neighborhood and take pictures of, of the people if they, if they want to have their portraits? He was like, well, okay. It was kind of odd to him that I would want to go outside the church doors and, and do this because there was a conference happening in church, so why don't they come here? Well, if they don't know Jesus, it's, it'd be like me saying, hey, we have this awesome conference about my friend named Harry. I want to, I want to tell you all about my friend named Harry. Like, they don't Who's Harry to them? They don't know. For those that have never heard the name of Jesus Christ, that would, it might as well be Harry's, Arubable, or what other name you want to you give it, because they don't know. And for, for, for them, you might be the only extension of Christ to them. Uh, I think I have a couple pictures of, like, this was just some opportunities of, like, you know, this is a, a lady that lived literally a block from the church, 
and was able just to kind of make a connection with her and associate this is, you know, we're doing this and we're from this, this area. Um, this, this is a little school in a rural village in, in Cambodia that we did school portraits for. And then we did, there was a medical outreach and everybody that was waiting on, on, on to get medical attention were getting a portrait of their family or their kids. But it was just a simple act of, hey, we're, we're connected, we're your neighbors, let us serve. So we were doing a just a, a, a local outreach. It was like almost like outreach inception. You know, there was outreach within an outreach within an outreach. So, so some, of, some of you that don't watch movies all that much will get that Inception reference later. Go watch Inception. It's good. Um, but I say that to say this. It's, I think we complicate things too much. We, we try to say we need a, a status or we need a title or we need this or that to, to, to reach our communities. Or we'll let the missionaries go do it. Guys, before I, before I moved to Asia, I was, I, was a, I, did a, I was a youth pastor. But before I was a youth pastor, I was a janitor. And I remember when I was cleaning and sweeping classrooms, it was always this. I remember praying and, t- and just talking to God. God, just give me opportunities. But I remember feeling like the Lord saying, you know, start where you're at. And I remember, you know, the first couple of weeks getting complaints about, like, how dirty the classrooms still were. And it was like, okay, all right, God, I'm not honoring you in this. And I remember saying, okay, let me use this as a ministry. So these toilets that I'm cleaning, they're going to be the cleanest toilets you're ever going to see. Or this, this, these pencil shavings that I'm vacuuming, there's not going to be one speck. And it was through, like, that certain opportunities happened. I remember talking with a teacher. She was like, for some reason, just started opening up to me about her life. But it started with, Johnny, I want to say thanks. My classroom is so clean. And it's just, it, it made my day when I came in this morning, how the chairs were stacked and all the chairs were neatly in order. But what happened was that was just a door to where I got to know this teacher. And then hearing about her life and hearing about her family, and it turns out she started having just trouble at home. And she, she, she knew that I was a Christian, and, and it was in those moments, like, I was able just to console her and, and just pray for her, like, right there in the, in the classroom after school. But it started with chairs being straightened and pencil shavings being picked up because I was doing it as unto the Lord. So, God, I want to honor you in the vacuuming of this classroom. Little did I know it would be to minister to this teacher. Whatever you put your hand to, do it as unto the Lord. God will open those doors, but they need to know, okay, you care about what you're doing here. Why? And it begins to ask these questions. It begins to have these conversations. My, uh, my grandfather is 93 years old, World War II veteran, like one of my heroes. He's a mechanic by trade. He's since retired, but not really retired. He's one of those. I don't know if you have grandparents like that. Or maybe you are like that, like, I'm retired, but I'm not going to just sit and do nothing. So he, but he, he finds ways to volunteer or give back. It's the coolest thing to watch. So he volunteers at this children's home. It's, it's actually a, 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 a boy's home for, for delinquent youth. And it's these kids that, that he goes and he repairs the cars for the, for the 
for the children's home because they have, you know, a van and a, and a, and a bus that they take school, kids to school. He helps in, in different ways. But sometimes he'll take kids along and kind of mentor them and show them, like, this is what I'm doing. He doesn't need their help preparing the car, but he gets to speak into their lives and give these 93 years of wisdom that he's accumulated and these 60 years of being a believer and this tr- just deep, deep knowledge of Christ. He's getting to share that with these kids as he works on a, changing a belt on, a, on an old Ford pickup. But for him, like, this is how he's giving back. This is how he's sharing Christ's love. My dad, you know, is a minister. He's a pastor. He's, he's been in ministry for over 40 years. Uh, but ministry is just, it, it's, it's who he is. It's what he does. But it's not just like a platform. My dad, to relieve stress, he mows the lawn. Like, that's what he loves to do. So he's since started mowing the neighbor's lawn. He noticed that the neighbor next door had to just was overgrown. He just, you know, was done mowing his lawn. He didn't ask permission. He just did it. I guess, you know, it's better to get uh, forgiveness than permission. But it's in moments like that, you know, and I'm sure a lot of people are going to be like, oh, you know, you, you don't need forgiveness to mow my lawn. You know, send him over to Louisville. I could use some help. But it's, it's in that, like, Finding that it's just this simple act of kindness that you don't know that that neighborhood that's on the corner, you know, that, there's always that house in the neighborhood, and yours might be that house, I don't know, but there's always that, that house where the yard is a little bit unkept, and, and I've seen this, and I've actually, you know, been in a car, you know, with my mom saying, I always wish they'd mow their lawn, you know, it's bringing down the property value. Well, you don't, you don't know... I'm sure, you know, that family wasn't, I'm sure that family wasn't thinking, you know what I'm going to do? Not my lawn for two months, just because. There's probably something else going on there. It might be a single mother who's just struggling to get her kids fed and out to school on time. And the last thing she needs to think about is mowing her lawn. But it's through that, like, my dad's able to have conversations with the neighbors, and they come over and say, thank you so much. You didn't have to do that. And for him, it's like, you know what? I was already, it's just, we, our, our, our lawns connect anyways. It was just an extra 10 feet. Why not? But it's through that he's able to build a relationship with this neighbor yep. and to find out, like, what's going on in their life and minister to them in a, in a real way. But it was just an act of kindness of opening the door. And I don't know what that is for you. And you may, you may have this playing through your head right now, like, oh, I could do this. I already know this. For me, it was, like, I like to take pictures. And I love ministering to these kids. But, man, these, they, like, these kids are special. I imagine that their parents think of them even more special than they do. Just because they're not, you know, American doesn't mean they're not, they're, we as Americans don't have the market cornered on loving our kids. Right. Uh, there's a story of this, this, this lady, and I'll, I'll close here in just a second. Um, there's a lady named Shrehang in Cambodia. I was in Cambodia helping out a ministry that, that I work with from time to time. And it, they do a weekly feeding program. Every Sunday, there's this orphanage, and they operate a feeding program. So they open their doors to the community and allow kids to come in and and they feed them once a week. 
And for some of the kids, that's the only like protein that they'll eat all week. It's just the only meat that they'll get. Because normally it's just a little bit of vegetables and rice. Like that's what, the, that's what their diet is. So I was there just kind of hanging out and they do a Sunday school lesson and then they send the kids out. But there's this, this mother who's watching her because it's mostly kids and then the staff. But it was this woman that she wasn't staff. She wasn't, a, it was her first time there, but she's watching. I see her just locked in on these two kids and she's just smiling from ear to ear and just watching them eat. And I see her, she's, you know, we gave her food too and she's just kind of eating, but I see her set some aside in a little, in a little um, like handkerchief to save for later. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just engaged watching her, and I, and I see that that's her kids that she's watching, obviously. And I ask, you know, the person that I'm with that runs this ministry, I said, tell me your story. He's like, I don't know. It's her first time here. So come to find out, I, get, I start talking with her, and she tells me that this is her first time, and her kids have been coming every week, but she wanted to see, like, who these people were and why they were here doing this. And when she came through the doors, like, she just noticed how loving everyone was. And she says, first time I've been able to smile in a while is because my, my, our husband, my husband left us two years ago, and I've, she works three jobs she, to, just to try to feed her kids. She says, you know, this is the best meal that they eat all week. Um, and I just wanted to see what was going on. And I just, I just saw her, and I said, you know, her name's Shrey Heng. And I said, Shrey Heng, Kind of, you have such a beautiful smile and a beautiful family. Have you, have you ever had a picture taken with your family? She said, no, 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 we can't afford to, to do that. And I said, well, can I, is it okay if I do that? I just want to give you this gift. Um, this is, this is Stray Hang and her, and her kids. Uh, this is her first family photo. And I said, if you come back next week, I don't have my printer here with me today because I wasn't doing portraits, but... I'll give, I'll print these out and get them. So I went and I actually got a blown up version of this, of this picture, pull it out of my bag and I give it to Shrey Hang. And she's just, begins just to start just weeping. I'm just smiling. She says, I don't, how can I repay you? I said, you don't need, I don't need anything. Like you're our neighbor and we love you. And it was just this act of, I have the ability to do this, so why not do it? No one gave me a mandate to do it. Nobody told me to do it. Like, the need is the call. Like, that's, this was a mother. She loves her kids. And, man, she should, you know, they're not going to be this age forever. Why not help her remember it? And I'd like to give you a story of, you know, all right. And then I had an altar call, and Shrein came to Christ, and her kids came to Christ. It didn't happen. But it didn't happen yet. Because Shrey Hing's kids are going to Sunday school every week. And Shrey Hing came back the next week. And she felt like she wanted to help. What do I do? I got to help. So she starts, she's now started like sweeping up after the kids get done eating, you know, this mess. Like she's just this smiling woman sweeping up after the kids. And she says, I can cook. Can I help cook? And this is where like I believe that Shrehing's story is going to intersect with the message of the gospel because the greatest evangelists that I know of in Cambodia are the Mai Mais. They're, that, that's the, these are the widow mothers that cook for all these kids. Wow. And Sunday's their day off, but they still come in on Sunday to cook for the kids. 
have lived hard lives. Man, they're the most joyful women I know. And it's in these moments where evangelism starts happening and they get to share their stories. And they get to share their story with Shreheng and say, man, Christ did this for me. But it started with just a simple act of people feeding her kids every week. And you may say, I don't, I can't, I can't do that. I can't start a feeding program. Uh, Jason and Andrea's sister-in-law is amazing at this. Every time I stay at their house, it's almost like the community hangout. Like there's kids that walk in the house every, every week that I have no idea who they are. And Corey makes sure that they're all fed. But for her, it's this, these are kids like, when they're in my house, they're my kids. And I want to feed them like they're my kids. No questions asked, no, it's just, and through that, they've been able to make connections to with their neighbors. So you may say, I can't start a food bank. Well, your house, do you, have a, do you have a kitchen? Do you have a living room? The greatest evangelism tool is your dinner table. Because we don't share our lives with people. Share your life. A friend, and, and, and I sure there's a first service, but he's this guy, he's a missionary that had to come off the field, and he's here in America now. He's like, got a secular job. He's like, what do I do? I got to reach my neighbors. How do I do that? Because for him, it's just like, this is who I am. And he loves soccer. His kids play soccer. So rather than entering them in a local league, he's like, you know what? Let's start a soccer team. And two blocks from where I live is just this trailer park where, where he's just been trying to get to know the neighbors. And a lot of them are, are, are Latino families. And he said, you know what? They don't, a lot of the kids aren't able to pay the dues for the soccer, yeah. for, the, for the soccer league. So he said, you know what? We're going to start our own little team here. And as we went to the, the neighbors and said, I, I just, I'm a soccer coach and I'd like to start a team. Would you? And from there, he's gotten entry into this community that none of the local churches are trying to reach none of the other ministries it's just this guy that coaches soccer I want to leave you with this like you, you say oh, I can't do this I don't have I don't have the ability I don't have any skills like do you know how to smile do you know how to do you know how to be kind to the neighbor in your cubicle at work do you know how to, maybe you're a t-ball coach, like those families, you have, you are locked in to those families, like you are, you have authority in those families, but here's the deal, here's the secret, we all have authority to do this, we all have the right and the mandate to do it, before Jesus ascended into heaven and gave this great commission like our marching orders as Christians, this is what he said. He said, all power and authority is given to me. To me, Jesus. And then he says, so go and make disciples of all nations. We're like, wait, Jesus, what? you said all authority was given to you. He said, yeah, yeah. But through me, it's in you. And we forget that part. Like it is, if we make ourselves available it's God doing the work. We just have to realize that our lane is where we're at. We don't need to veer off that you don't, you know, I feel like I need to do 
mission work. So I'm going to get on the first plane to Cambodia. If you, if you can't minister where you're at, you're no good to me over there, okay? Like, I'm just, I'm being real. Like, start here. And it's this passion that begins, okay, God, show me somebody else. Send me somebody today that needs your help. Let me start where I'm at. But you have the authority to do this. Like, this is your right. You are called to do this. Yesterday, I was at, at Jason and Andrea's house, and if you know their son, Solly, like, he is rambunctious and the coolest kid ever. But Andrew is upstairs getting, getting ready or doing something, and I hear Solly, like, just rumbling down the stairs. Like, that's his mode. It's just, it's rumble anywhere he goes. And he looks at me, he says, I'm going to go over to my neighbor's, and I'm going to go play with, I think, Braxton. He said, I'm going to go play with Braxton. I said, all right. And I have no idea who Braxton is, but I'm assuming you do. He said, Okay. Bye. And, like, well, he's like, and then he pops his head back in the door. He says, but I'm going to look both ways before I cross the street. I was like, that's good to know. And I see him, you know, I'm, so I'm watching this unfold. He sits on the front porch. And he just looks from the front porch and he begins to walk, like just march out to the, you know, he's just on mission, just, just walking. And then I poke my head out the door. I was like, Solly, make sure you, when you get to the road, look both ways too. <laughs> he looks back and thumbs up and then looks and then goes and he's just marching to the door. And, I, and I'm just watching because it's just, everything he does is just humorous to me. And I see him just knock on the door and looks in the window and nobody's answering. And then he just opens the door and walks in the house. <laughs> and then I see Andrea come down and she's like, where's Solly? I was like, is it the neighbors? She's like, he was supposed to wait on me to go. I told him we were going. But for him, like, he was already given permission. He was already given authority, and he was like, all right, I have permission to do this. I'm going. A lot of us are kind of waiting on the Father to say, okay, God, come go with me. He said, go. I have already given you the authority to go. That is like what you're supposed to do. I think we just feel like, all right, any day now, God. So I pray and I hope that you examine yourself. God, what are those passions that you put in me? What are those things that you just, that keep me up at night? I pray that God gives you creativity to do them. Like, I don't know what it is that, that is going to reach your area because that's your area. Like, that's your neighborhood. It took me, you know, seven years to figure out that printing off photos for kids was, was going to open all these doors of ministry. You may have had something on your heart for a while now, and you're just waiting for the nudge. Well, guess what? Here's your nudge. Be the hands and feet of Christ to a lost and hurting community that's all around you. Whether therefore you eat, drink, whatever it is that you do, do it as unto God. So these just our daily commutes do them with purpose. Let's, let's look at ways that we can be excellent in all that we do because when we, get, when we become excellent in our day-to-day, people begin to wonder and, and, and examine, like, why is he so different? Uh, I'd love to stay connected with you guys. You can, you can keep up with me on, on different 
social media platforms or whatever. I think we'll leave the information up. But I'd love to, to pray for you guys and then just hand it off to the team. I've gone a little over. I apologize. Um, but just remember, like, you were made for this. We want to have these grand stories of God working. Maybe your grand story starts with your family. Like some of you need to be evangelists to your extended family. And just do it things with excellence. At Memorial Day barbecue, you need to make the best ribs possible. <laughs> you need to clean up better than anybody else and not complain about it. Start here. In those, in those daily doings, the divine comes down. 